HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Cabot Creamery. Proud to be a dairy farm family-owned cooperative for more than 100 years. Learn more at cabotcheese.coop. That's cabotcheese.coop. Welcome to Cutting the Curd on Heritage Radio Network. Today I have Amanda Freund of Cabot Creamery, a cooperative member, and my name is Kara Warren, the new host. Amanda, how are you doing today? Welcome to the show. I'm so good. It was 50 degrees and sunny. I will take it. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, you're right. It is actually kind of fantastic out. That sun, vitamin D, man, it's, uh, it's what you need in your life probably after a cold winter, am I right? Absolutely. I was actually just told that I should be taking supplements, but not after a day like today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no. This is uh, this has been beautiful today. I feel like my life is changing for the better at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's really, really, really good. Um, so you are a member of the Cabot Cooperative. Uh, I am truly excited about this because... I know I go into a supermarket and I see the Cabot Cheddar Bars, but I didn't realize the depth that the Cabot Creamery, the Cabot Cooperative, it it truly has. And so um, can you tell me a little bit about Cabot, like a short, brief uh, meaning of Cabot Creamery to you? What is Cabot Creamery? Yeah, so we just last year celebrated our centennial as a farmer-owned cooperative, And so what began in 1919 in Cabot, Vermont, was a group of farmers coming together, finding that there was added value in cooperatively marketing their dairy product. And so the kind of basics and fundamentals of what we stand for today, 100 years later, is pretty much the same thing, um, but we've grown in both geography and overall capacity. So I do store demos and cheese sampling um, all throughout the year, and even in my own backyard, um, people continue to be really shocked and surprised when I tell them that I am a dairy farmer in Connecticut and that I am, in fact, a member of the Cabot Cooperative because for a lot of people, they associate it very specifically to Vermont. And so 
in the hundred years of of being this cooperative, we've we've merged and collaborated and partnered with other cooperatives. So today, Cabot is a cooperative made up of 800 farm families in New York and New England, and we have four facilities in that region that process the milk that comes from our farms. And I have to say, I mean, just learning all that from you, um, it's, it's amazing to have so many farms attached to this cooperative um, to, to understand the depth that it's outside of Vermont, really. I had no idea. I mean, this is like, it was a completely new lesson to me. So I'm so glad that you're, you're spreading the news about Cabot um, and really relaying this information. Um, that's, that's incredible. Um, yeah, and especially, I mean, being in Connecticut or New York City, I mean, there's not the most obvious connection and association with products that are quote-unquote local when you're buying from, you know, your, your grocery store bodega down there. Um, exactly. But when I can tell them that less than 100 miles up the road is a bunch of dairy farms that are contributing milk to Cabot products that are right smack dab in front of you in that grocery store, like being able to connect one of the largest marketplaces with a product that's coming from farms in their own state, like that's a very meaningful connection that people really want to have. Oh, yeah. And I... You know, some of the things that I was learning also about Cabot, and and you can confirm this, um, I I realized, I didn't realize that they were a B Corp certified company. I had no idea about that, Um, that they practice social and environmentally great practices all around in the company. Did you, did you know this as well? I had, I just, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, it was a very exciting recognition. I think at first, like, um, you you probably noticed that we actually were the first cooperative to be able to receive um, B Corp status. And so at the time, it was not necessarily the most obvious um, kind of initiative to take on, right? And so, um, but here we are uh, a few years later, and what one of the cool things that comes with that B Corp status is that you actually get a report card. And so, like, we know what areas we can continue to work on to improve, but we it's, it is such a very fitting representation and recognition of all the things that both our farm families and our co-op stand for. So um, one of the really cool things that is associated with that B Corp status is a program that we call Random Acts of Cheddar. <laughs> Good name. And so a, a bunch of different times throughout the year, there is like a, act, a specific targeted initiative. So whether it be Fire Prevention Week, and we encourage both all of the employees as well as the farmers to go to their local fire departments with gifts of cheese and to say thanks so much for everything you do for our communities. Um, we also do one um, for teachers. Um, but my sister actually last year did a cross-country road trip for Cabot, and half of her time was spent going to nonprofits, fire departments, libraries, um, oh, local wow. organizations, and just bringing them the gift of cheese and saying thanks for everything you do for your community. So Cabot is sort of a community builder. 
it sounds like, and a sustainable agriculture group is what it sounds like is happening here. Yeah, I mean, it, it very much trying to stay authentic to kind of who we are being the farmers and the fact that our farm families rely on active community support to do everything that we do. And so we want to hold that true even at a cooperative level. I, it's, and it's for a better life. I mean, I, I believe in the news you hear how farms are having a tough time, but it sounds like through this model things are doing well. Would, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, we're still, we're still going to have to deal with the consequences of having a commodity milk market, but there is, in fact, a lot of value that does come from being a cooperative that has a really incredible brand. The fact that I can go to Florida and Colorado and Oregon and have my Cabot products there and for people to begin to understand what that brand represents. So um, it certainly can't make up for all the other challenges going on in the marketplace with with dairy, but it certainly does help. Oh, yeah. And I'm curious, um, your barn, uh, I think you might have mentioned this in an email, but is is it your barn that is technically a smart barn or a smart barn? barn excuse me um or like parts of it are sort of organized in like um an environmentally friendly way yeah yeah no we um we have made a lot of um efforts to keep our barn both super comfortable for our cows The, the humans that work there kind of get the the second side effect impacts. Um, But we, (laughs) in 2016, moved into a robotic milking barn. And so each of our cows are outfitted with a rumination collar, which basically acts like a Fitbit. And so we're tracking her activity. We're tracking her rumination because a good indicator of how a cow is feeling, um, and it comes from also her chewing behavior, um, and oh, interesting. So <laughs> I feel like humans color. could have that too. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, just like if you have a bellyache or something, you're not going to necessarily get up and, and have a snack. And so in real time, I can pull up a graph on any individual cow in my barn, and I can see exactly what's going on with her chewing behavior, with her movement around the barn, and with her visits to the robot, because it's also a voluntary system. So my cows come and get milked, when they decide they want to get milked. And they can come twice a day or they can come four times a day. Really? Even up to four? T- I didn't realize a cow could be milked four times a day. Yeah, it's by it's her own discretion. So huh. we, we do have a small handful of cows that need to be reminded to come <laughs> to the robot. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, on average, our cows are coming three times a day on their on their own. And And can you tell that this is a happier friendlier cow situation like it must it sounds very nice I mean you know yeah I think so one of the cool things that I think came from this experience moving into this robot barn is the individual personalities that we discovered from each of our cows so before it was very much a herd mentality so when pen one was it was time for them to be milked Mm -hmm. we moved all the cows from pen one to the milking parlor and then pen two, and so you're you're moving animals as a herd in that way. And in this robot barn, we discovered 
cows that preferred right hand from left hand sided robots. Oh wow! We discovered cows that were super excited to go into that robot, and in fact, would just keep doing U turns and would try to go through that robot fifteen times in a row. <laughs> I love it. Okay. And the robot was smart enough to say, like, "Hey, darling, you were just here. You need to go. <laughs> like, no, we're not going to milk you again." Um, oh, but my. so, like, I just. Being able to, like, experience them in this new kind of platform was totally unique and very cool. And in terms of, like, um, feeding then, how does that work? Yeah, so I still, I I make the feed um, for our cows each morning. And so we're still, at this point, we're providing them what we call a partial mixed ration. So it's a blend of the forages that we grow on our farm um, and then, um, so we mix that together and we present that to them for the bunk that they have access to 24 hours a day. But then one of the kind of, uh, the, the treat that they get, the little, what instigates them to come to that robot is that they get a serving of grain. Uh-huh. And so we call it a partial mixed ration because they're also getting a supplemental grain feeding when they go to that robot. And one of the what makes it a smart barn, one mm-hmm. of the things is that the amount of grain they get when they visit the robot is specifically and individually portioned to exactly how much milk she's making. So a cow making 60 pounds of milk is going to get less grain than a cow that's making 100 pounds of milk. Oh, wow. That's a very customized system. It, it really, really is. So we, we can control and monitor all these pieces so much more closely. And does that um, also create a healthier environment? Do you feel like the cows are, are less likely to get sick? You, there's no way you, uh, I mean, it's impossible. I know some hormones need to be used, but I mean, uh, and, and I, I think I don't even know the, the entire vet science of this. Some, some are allowed, some aren't. Um, but would you say that it's less likely because of the system that you even need to treat your animals at all? I think we can be a lot more proactive. So one of um, one of the things that, like, so just this morning when I was looking at our herd health list, because the computer, like, I'll sit down at our central computer every single morning, and it will flag whatever cows might need some special attention. So maybe they haven't been to the robot or... Um, their rumination dropped or their overall milk production went lower than expected. And so I can then specifically look at all the data that's being collected on every individual cow. And so like this morning, one of our cows, her, her rumination dropped off. And so mm-hmm. for in our old barn, before we were using these rumination collars, it could be a few days before we actually identified a specific symptom, so maybe diarrhea or something like that. Sure, yeah. But in like I can react so much more quickly, and I decided let's give her basically the cow equivalent of Pepto Bismol. Huh. So maybe she just needs something to help her settle her belly, and so we can we can be that much more in tune and proactive with giving much more subtle um, types of. Uh, treatments rather than waiting before she gets really sick. Oh, wow. So uh, that is very helpful then. You're, you're seeing ahead of a, a bigger problem, which... I, yeah, I certainly yeah. think so. And actually, this is a funny segue then. Um, your other business is a cow pot, <laughs> which uh, I don't know uh, 
it's a compostable pot that's made from manure. Is that the right way to say that? I mean, I, I yeah, love... Yeah, I think, I think you did a pretty darn good job. Okay, good. Um, My research is not wrong. Okay, good. <laughs> Excellent. I feel so good. So it was probably just about over 20 years ago. Um, so we have, we have three separate businesses here. So we have the dairy farm, which has been going on since my grandpa started it with my grandma back in 1949. Um, and so, and then my mom started a farm market bakery garden center, and because she realized that milking cows when she had a baby on the front and a baby on the back uh, was just too <laughs> cumbersome. Oh, just and a little so bit, she, I bet. <laughs> yeah, so she she ditched the dairy and she started her own little farm market business, which is now become a, a large farm market business, but she was um, starting a bunch of vegetable plants and then planting them in our field, and my dad noticed that these peat pots that she was putting in the ground each year, when he was in charge of rototilling up the field, mm-hmm. those peat pots were still there, hmm. and he said, this, this isn't a very biodegradable pot, and he looked at the makeup of the pot, and he said, that's not so different from the manure fibers that are coming out of our dairy barn. So ah. there began a crazy kind of research and development trial and error, and here we are all these years later, and we are manufacturing 13 different sizes of biodegradable pots from our cow's composted and digested manure mm-hmm. um, because we also have a methane digester, and we are capturing the methane from our manure, and we're using that to heat our farmhouse. Which is, I, I love that, because that's sort of like what you hear in the news now, is like, oh, that's the problem with farms and too many cows, and uh, here you have a solution. So that's, that's Yeah, great. no, I'm, especially, especially with all the conversation happening about the Green New Deal and climate change and people being really assertive about either needing to do Meatless Monday or cut dairy out of their diet, and I... I'm very quick to jump into those conversations and counter it with, hold on a second. Like, our cows can provide us a renewable energy source, and the dairy that you're putting on your plate is probably the most local food item you have 365 days a year. Excellent. I love it. Okay, Amanda. Uh, Let's just take a quick second of a break on that note because I love that. And uh, okay, Cutting the Curd listeners, we'll be right back. Just hang tight. Cabot Creamery has been making the world's finest dairy products for over 100 years. Cabot's award-winning cheddars and other dairy products stand apart because of their farmers' tireless dedication to quality and freshness, caring for their animals, and to healthy land and a sustainable future. More than a century after they started this journey, Cabot's farmer owners still know what matters most. Family and community, the simple truth that we're stronger together than we are apart. That delicious products are the reward of a job well done. That when you love what you do this much, that the best is always still to come. All right, welcome back to Cutting the Curd. I'm here, Kara Warren, new host, and Amanda Freund, Cabot Creamery. And we are talking about how um, basically farms are saving the planet now with new ingenious ways and methods and uh, technology that are bringing us back 
you know, back to the forefront. Um, we were can talking. We, can we name this episode "Farmers Are Saving the Planet"? <laughs> sure, we, we most definitely can. I love that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we'll say "Cabot" and "Farmers Are Saving the Planet" um, because I, I, you know, I didn't realize any of this. I, I, I mean, I am a very naive Brooklyn Jewish New Yorker girl who doesn't know a whole lot about farming but loves cheese. So for me to be learning about the smart barn and learning that manure is being used in other ways now, it's like, what a revelation. I mean, I had no idea, really. Yeah, and we like we so we're making these biodegradable pots that we're marketing as cow pots as a way to one export the manure from our farm where we don't need all those nutrients and where they can go and benefit the soil at the community garden in Brooklyn or, or wherever. Um, but, but pots are just the tip of the iceberg. We've been asked about making skeets for shooting practice or biodegradable urns or bait cups or golf tees. Like, there's so many things that we can do with oh, wow. the manure coming from our farm or another farm to help alleviate some of this, you know, this nutrient product that we ha- that we are making as a byproduct from milk. And it's being sold um, nationally yet, or no? It, yeah, yep. We, oh, ship, really? we ship our cow pots all over the country into wow. Canada, and we have the health permits to be able to ship into the EU. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I wonder if, like, Cabot is going to do, like, a box set one day where they're like, here's a bar of awesome cheddar, but here's also a cow pot, like, from one of our well, farmers. Well, actually, you know? something that they have done. So they have a group of bloggers that they call, um, I think they call them their cheese board or i forget what the name is but okay so they will do um like either biannually or quarterly they'll send out these kind of boxes with gifts and so it always obviously includes cheese mm-hmm. um but then they've been really assertive about including products that are coming from some of our farm families so really maple syrup oh. from one of our farmers or um, chocolates from one of our farmers, and they have in fact included cow pots. But get out of here! Make I love it. Of, of putting the cow pot in its own plastic bag, just mm, in case. I understand. Just in case people are a little concerned. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, people have these like uh, images, these semiotics that they don't want to, you know, uh, have the connotations there. They're like, ah. But it, uh, is, it is a delicate balance of finding ways to market manure and food. And so <laughs> I think they do both deserve their own kind of separate slot. But Cabot has been really, really great about finding opportunities to help promote some of the other additional value-added products and businesses that some of our farmer members have. That's excellent. I, I actually am curious now. Have you been to one of the cheddar making facilities or one of the plants to see how the milk is transformed into uh, cheese or butter? Yeah, yep. Um, so we, I was uh, the chair of our young cooperators committee um, last year. And so we took our group of young cooperators from all across the Cabot region, New York and New England, and we actually went to our processing facility in West Springfield. And so that's where the milk from my farm goes and that's where we make butter and and our whey powder. Oh, um, okay. And so we got to see from where the milk truck pulls in the yard all the way through to the finished product coming out the other side. And I was looking through the portfolio. There is so many products 
that are made by Cabot. I mean, it's hard to choose. I mean, I almost, right? It's, no, it's awesome. It's totally awesome because, and actually, unfortunately, my local grocery store stopped carrying um, the Cabot Greek yogurt. And I, just about every single time I walk in, I leave another note as a customer making a request. Good for you, because that's how it works. Name on the request each mm-hmm. time I go. Good job. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to do that. Otherwise, they won't bring it in. No, it's a good job. Honestly, mm. so um, but yeah, so we, you know, our West Springfield facility in Massachusetts is where the butter is being made, and our some of our dry um, dry powders, mm-hmm. and then in Cabot and Middlebury is where we're making our cultured products like the yogurts and sour cream. Um, and our cheese. Okay. And then we also have a facility in New York State in Chattagay up in the North Country uh, where we make our New York-style cheddars. So it, what is so? What is the specialty? What is the highest, like, what is a high level of Cabot? Like, if you were, I mean, so you have your, like, sharp cheddars, which are excellent. I know out there people may be like, but what about the English cheddars? I'm like, yeah, but if you're looking at a, a really nice bar cheddar in New England, Northeast, I think it's fair to say people think of Cabot as one of the first three for sure, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that sometimes our placement in the dairy section makes people think like, oh, that's like grocery level, you know, quality. But actually, just in 2019, we received almost 30 different awards for the range of dairy products that are coming from our facilities. Like, we are making top-notch quality cheddar cheese that is, in fact, available in your average dairy section. But with respect to the kind of higher value items, Mm -hmm. um, there is the Vintage Choice Cheddar. Uh um, And then this last year, in 2019, we came out with our five-year age cheddar as part of our centennial celebration. And that cheese, actually, the five-year age cheddar, received a Sophie Award. Oh, really? Oh, wow. I'll have to look out for it. We were over the moon excited about that. And let me tell you, I keep that in my fridge. I was going to say, are you squirreling that in your house, like away from the rest of the family? You have a secret bar. I only share it with people that I know genuinely appreciate quality cheddar. Well done. Well done. I mean, you have so to. So if you, if you come to the northwest corner of Connecticut, I will gladly slice you some. Oh, I would love to. I would love to. <laughs> I need to get out of the city. I, you know, I need to see some nature. I, I, I get cornered up in, uh, in Brooklyn, and I need to get out of it sometimes. So, uh, no, well, I definitely and will. As a Jewish farmer, ah, yes. a Jewish cheese lover, yes. you are welcome Come on up. Okay, I, I definitely will. So now also, what is your favorite? Are you a cook? That's what I should first start with. Do you do you cook a lot with Cabot cheeses or Cabot so butter? My mom's farm market garden center bakery also includes a catering business. Oh, and geez. so I find that I have little reason to usually cook for myself because she's catering three to five events a week. Oh, busy. And I just, I take her leftovers. <laughs> That's fine, because I, I was just going to ask you, like, what's your classic, like, go-to, like, use of the Cabot cheddar or some one of the products? Because in my mind, I just want to make nachos with it. Like, I'm just like, let's make a delicious cheddary nacho. I mean, why not, you know? Yeah, oh, I mean, basically, you put cheese on something and melt it in the microwave, and, like, that, for, like, I am 
a single lady living at home by myself. So okay. I'm not going to make like big old meals. And a lot of times, like I'll just like put cheese on something and melt it. And then I'm like, look it, I cook. Right. Like that's it, you know, like, or I was thinking like, what's your uh, farmer's breakfast or something? You know, is it just the yogurt or is there like cabbage butter on a piece of bread? I don't know. You know, oh, something no. fun My, like that. The ultimate breakfast for me here we go. Are you ready? I am. This, like, I'm waiting. Dreams are made of this. Oh, oh, so, I love it. Berkshire Mountain Bakery is a bakery just north of us in Housatonic, Massachusetts, and they make incredible sourdough bread. And so I get their jalapeno cheddar ciabatta, and I toast it, and then I put a layer of butter on it, a layer of our homemade, homegrown raspberry jam, Ooh. and then I slice up that five-year-aged cheddar on top of that. And, like, the tartness and sweetness of the raspberries with the spiciness of the jalapeno and the creaminess of the – and the sharpness of the cheddar, hmm. it is fantastic. I knew it. You're a breakfast girl. I should have known. You're a farmer. This is what you, happens. You ha- <laughs> you ha- like, there has to be something on the other end of those morning chores to, like, keep you motivated. What time do you get up in the morning? So, I've got to – Admittedly, because we've got these robots, mm-hmm. we don't need to get up for like an early morning milking. Oh, good. So <laughs> I live a very kind of posh farmer life. Ah. So I am not going out to the barn until seven in the morning. Oh my God, that's okay. Well, <laughs> I was gonna say you're you're not really lackadaisical, but seven a.m. is actually like a normal human's time to wake up. So props, I you know. Thank you. I mean, Thank you. no one should be getting up at four thirty or five. I think that's like odd but you know some people prefer the alone time I feel like you know yeah I mean there is there is absolutely kind of a little bit of a a little bit of romance associated with like being up before like there's a whole bunch of commotion in the day Mm -hmm. Um, but it's super it's way easier in the summer in the winter when if my alarm does need to go off earlier than six it is very very disappointing. I, I'm with you on that. I'm not an early riser myself. I, I prefer, you know, uh, get eight thirty nine a.m. to the emails. I don't want to be anything earlier than that. No, thank you. So you know. Yeah. So, but I do. I do make sure that my cows get breakfast each day before I give myself breakfast. So, I that is my charge to myself is that those cows are going to get fed before before I do. Oh my goodness. Yes, I love that. Um. And so I, this actually, it just went through my head because we're talking about the routine of farmers. And then it, it kind of segued into this. You're a third generation farmer. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. My, my grandpa was actually a boy from the Bronx. That's, that's, first of all, that's very wild. I don't know how a guy from the Bronx gets all the way up there and starts farming. Well, a woman. That's what happens. That's what, <laughs> that's, that's what, exactly what that, that's what happens. A woman does that to you. It takes you yeah, from a city so kid to uh yeah. Eugene met Esther and the rest is history. So huh. um they they raised their five children here. I grew up in the same house that my dad grew up in. Um oh, wow. and I I did have a point where I needed to get the heck out of here and mm-hmm. I went and I served in the Peace Corps for a couple of years. Um but inevitably um was drawn back to this place that my family's been farming and supporting ourselves from for 70 plus years. I mean, first of all, that's amazing. Another thing that I will say from researching the Cabot Farms, I noticed that it's common to have multi-generational farms. I mean, uh, are you in touch with the other Cabot Farms as well? Is there like a a group or a networking where you guys kind of get to know each other? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's 
we are a family. Like, the bond and connection and network that we have amongst farmers, like, is, is really incredible. So just here in our town, we have five different Cabot farms. Wow. That's, so this is really, again, the community builder. And I, I feel like that leads to a higher quality. Well, you're all trading your tips and secrets. So to me, that means you're making a better milk, which, you know, higher in fat and protein, the cows are happy, which leads to a better product in the end run. So I, I have to say, I'm, I'm completely impressed by Cabot. I had no idea about all, all of this. I should have. I should have known, but I, I had no idea. So Yeah, no. We're, it, so, and sometimes, in some ways, it's kind of nice to be able to, like, like, when people do find out and it becomes a thing that they, like, get really inspired and, and excited by. So, like, it's okay if it's a secret for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, but the reality is that, like, we are so focused and dedicated to making high-quality, safe, nutritious, healthy milk. We, every year that we get a quality award from our cooperative, we proudly put it right next to the door that goes into the bulk tank where our, our milk truck driver picks up our milk each day. Like, it is such a badge of honor to display those quality awards to every visitor that comes into our barn to know that this is a 365-day-a-year commitment that we are making. Yeah, I, I get it. And I, like I said, I loved the accessibility that Cabot gives to its farmer. Like, I was, I, you know, I wanted to do a Cabot episode, and they put me in touch with you. You're a farmer. You're a cooperative member. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty neat. I was, like, expecting, I don't know what I was expecting, maybe a sales rep, maybe um, maybe a person in production, but I, 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 it's very cool the way they are like, hey, go to the source. This is what this is. This is how we make a great product. So Yeah, um, it's what it's all about. And I like and there's there's I mean, we're we're involved obviously in the day to day operations and managing our individual farm businesses, but then there is this opportunity for co op governance where our our members are our board of directors mm. are themselves farmers mm-hmm. and they're elected by members like our ourselves and then our voting representatives that go and make decisions on on policies for our cooperative those are also farmer members so i just a side interest to that to your so i was looking at the board members and right now it's predominantly male uh, i was curious are you seeing an uptick in women farmers is there a change going on in the demographic of farmers in New England, or, or is it same old, same old? Yeah, well, women have always been very involved on our farms. My grandma was driving the trucks and milking the cows right alongside my grandpa. Hell yes. But when it came to taking on leadership opportunities, that was the role that my grandpa filled because my grandma was, was working on the farm and taking care of the family. Um, and so there certainly is an evolution Mm-hmm. to the roles that women are taking. They've always been active on the farms. It's just where they're, where they're getting more involved. And so while the board might not have a, an equal number of men to women, I will say that our Young Cooperators Committee has probably more women active invo- actively involved in it than, than men. 
So I, I do think that moving ahead and looking forward, there is absolutely going to be more women that are seeking those leadership opportunities. Um, but, but just today, if you look at some of the committees that, mm-hmm. are, that our cooperative has, so we have a sustainable farms committee, we have a legislative and education committee, there are a lot of women that are involved in those committees. Wow. So it, it, it's evolving. And I love that a Bronx boy was on the board, was on a board in uh, of farmers, uh, you know, up in New England. That's pretty cool that your grandfather did that. I, it makes sense that for that generation, the, the men were the sort of politicians and then your, your grandmother's driving a milk truck. That's fantastic. Yeah, well, she, well, she, was, driving, she was driving like the, the feed trucks when we were right. harvesting, but she, she did it all. And so I, I don't know that I would necessarily say unsung heroes but kind of like they were they just weren't like openly like trying to capture the attention for what they were doing and I think especially now with social media like Mm -hmm. we I mean there's we our farm was was recently featured on an RFD TV show called Farm Her and so there is a lot more emphasis and spotlighting and featuring of women that are involved in farming where there hadn't necessarily been that voice before um and so and i mean i will sit down on a plane next to somebody and unfortunately i am the person that will strike up a conversation and sometimes it's not always welcome but when i introduce myself (laughs) i love that you know this about yourself this is hilarious okay yeah but when i when i like if they ask what i do and i say i'm a dairy farmer it always gets the same reaction they're Hmm. looking next to them at this like 35 year old woman thinking Mm -hmm. what yeah their head has exploded you've just totally ruptured any sense of what they thought they were going to talk to you about that's great right and and then it usually becomes like such an incredible opportunity to like answer like because they can't get away Mm -hmm. and so all of a sudden like they just, it's just such a free and, and safe place to answer, like to ask questions that they've never really had an opportunity to ask before. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, exactly. I mean, if, if they're not listening to Cutting the Curd, then they need to sit next to you on an airplane <laughs> and they will learn everything about Cabot and dairy farming in America as we know it right now. That's right. Yeah. Very good. And why farmers are saving the world. Exactly. Why farmers are saving the world. Okay. On that note, Amanda, thank you for joining me on the show today. This has been a pleasure. Um, and listeners out there, thank you for listening. This is uh, Cutting the Curd with Kara Warren. And uh, eat more cheese, everyone. Thanks so much and have a great day. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.